Hi, I'm Al Tharp. And I'm Kim Vu. Welcome to Vietnam, the show about being Vietnamese in New Orleans. Coming to you from the Phono Viet restaurant here at 2005 Magazine Street in the Lower Garden District. Xin chào quý vị. Đây là bài Vietnola chương trình phát hành về cộng đồng Việt Nam ở New Orleans từ nhà hàng Phở Nội Viet ở số 2005 Magazine ở quận Lower Garden. Today on the show, we've got some ancient wisdom, some lessons on being a polite Vietnamese person, news, and a conversation with our guest, Dr. Mark Van Lanningham from Tulane University, School of Public Health. Welcome. Thanks. Happy to be here. Hi, Mark. Hey, Kim. I am, I am so excited you're on the show, first of all, because I've read a lot of, actually, I read one of your publications, um, and I thought they were so interesting as a Vietnamese American to read you studying the, phenom the phenomenon of basically my family and my relatives and family friends. Um, so can you explain to the, our audience what you study and what your research is in? Well, first of all, I feel very lucky to be able to study such a fascinating community. Um, I've been very interested in the Vietnamese American community since I came here um, in 1999. And originally, my, the focus of my work was to get some handle on what the influences, of, or what the consequences were of moving to America uh, compared to Vietnamese who stayed back in Vietnam after the war. Uh, I was very influenced by um, Robert Olin Butler's work. I'd mm -hmm. read that before coming. And then also my colleague Carl Bankston had written a lot about this particular um, community here. And so I, I was very, very excited to be coming to Tulane and then having the opportunity to, to study the Vietnamese community as well. Does Carl Bankston write fiction as well as um, Robert Olin Butler? Not or that I know academic? of. I mean, he, he, he may be on the side, but he's, he's quite famous as a sociologist doing more mainstream academic work. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm just glad you're here to be on our little ride. Uh, it's, it's, com it's basically comprised of me and Al chatting about being Vietnamese American so he can be a good Vietnamese American. <laughs> so he's ready to go out to the East or even Vietnam even someday. further, yeah. Yeah. Right. Great. I'd love to hear your commentary on our segments and we're gonna teach Al um, manners, Vietnamese manners, Very so you good. can you can give him crib notes on that. No, I'll be happy to learn myself. <laughs> okay. um, but first, I'd actually want to ask you some questions. You did a, about your one particular study. You did a study on um, let me think. The you measured the differences in body types between Vietnamese Americans and Vietnamese. Yeah, that, that was part of the original study that brought me here, is I had mm -hmm. some, some really nice data asking the same questions of people who had stayed behind in Vietnam and had not moved to America after the collapse of South Vietnam in 1975, and Vietnamese Americans here. And one kind of twist on that study is that we also talked to people who wanted to come to America, made it as far as the um, intermediary camps in the Philippines, Thailand, Malaysia, places like that, and uh -huh. then were repatriated back. So we actually had three different samples of, of, of Vietnamese to look at. The obesity um, study that, that you were referring to is, is, is quite interesting. Not surprisingly, Vietnamese Americans have more of an issue uh, with, with obesity than Vietnamese nationals back in Vietnam. All, all of us Americans do, especially in New Orleans. Orleans exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but um, what, was, what, was what was really interesting, interesting to me about that was that we found a protective effect of being bicultural in orientation. So, so the Vietnamese who both were able to function well in American society and 
have you know a really good array of kind of cultural attributes you know from from traditional Vietnamese society ended up faring the best in other words they had they had less obesity mm -hmm. and we find that in a number of outcomes in the um, post Katrina study that we'll maybe talk about a little bit more um, in, in, in this show but mm -hmm. that got me really interested in this idea that one one really main finding from Bankston's work is that he was exploring the conundrum of why Vietnamese Americans do mo so much better than other immigrant groups who end up selling in fairly marginalized areas of a city. People, um, Vietnamese and other immigrants do that because land is cheap. The Vietnamese, in contrast to other immigrant groups, end up having lower levels of poverty and just higher socioeconomic status than some of these other groups. And so what Carl ended up concluding, this was work that he did with his um, um, colleague Min Zhao, who's now out in California, what they concluded was that being Vietnamese and having, you know, um, having a, a very intact, traditional, hierarchical um, community that really kept watch, especially over youth, provided a lot of protection to young immigrants that other groups didn't benefit from, from nearly as much. So this, this idea of, of retaining a lot of these cultural, um, traditional cultural attributes of being Vietnamese was really important. But what I found was kind of was a little bit of a twist on that was that really who fared the best, you know, both before Katrina and outcomes like obesity and especially after Katrina were those who were actually able to function well in Vietnamese society and American society. And the way we, mm -hmm. we measure that is there's this standard acculturation scale that asks a lot of questions about the kind of food you eat, the language you speak, and with whom, and the type of people that you hang out with. And, and from, from these series of questions you can see are people mostly Vietnamese, mostly American, or kind of, kind of in between? Are you following this down the generations? I mean, now we're talking at least second generation Third. people in the community. Yeah. I mean, the, so are, are, are primarily with the actual immigration experience. That, that's a great question. I'm really interested in, in a lot of the intergenerational um, relationships, you know, that are changing as the Vietnamese community kind of stays here long, longer and longer. I don't have as good, uh, good a data on that. My, my, the, the data that I'm going to be mostly talking about are first-generation folks, kind of more my age, uh -huh. who, who grew up in Vietnam, okay, came over yeah. here, and then kind of had to kind of you know, start over again. But I'm very interested in how, you know, some of the consequences of my generation. Your generation, <laughs> yeah. how family dynamics have changed, uh -huh. you know, after, after Katrina, where, you know, um, young people who speak a lot better English than, the, than their parents are all of a sudden very empowered in a household where they would absolutely not be empowered otherwise, and that, that makes things really interesting. I'm curious about, you know, half a dozen or two dozen, how many factors were in this, you know, rubric to measure the level of someone's acculturation? Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very famous scale and widely used scale for, for all Southeast Asians. Um, I believe Anderson is the, um, is, is the original author of it. I think there, there are 15 or 16 questions that ask a number of questions about what kind of food do you prefer, who do you eat with, who do you hang out with and socialize with, hmm. what language do you speak at home and at work, um, th those sorts of things. And, you get, and it ends up kind of giving you a really nice um, spread of people who are, you know, quintessentially traditional Vietnamese in orientation, folks who are very American in orientation, and folks in the middle. You won't be surprised, I don't think, to hear from my generation, nobody is completely Americanized. You've got um, most people who kind of re retained, you know, their kind of traditional Vietnamese relationships and, 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 and prefer to speak Vietnamese, and folks who are more in the middle. Mm -hmm. I just think it's particularly funny because my parents and my parents' friends growing up, it was very much a compliment that you're still a very 
good Vietnamese girl, you know, that you're still Your Vietnamese so sounds beautiful. Vietnamese, yeah. You know, like that's a big strength is to yeah. be able to read Vietnamese still or speak still when you don't really see Irish immigrants saying, oh, you're Gaelic. You're so, <laughs> you're so Irish still. You know? That's actually very insightful. And I hadn't thought, thought, of, thought of it that way before. But I think you're right that, you know, for, for many other immigrant groups, they're very proud as their children take on more American attributes, especially English. Um, whereas for the Vietnamese, I think, you know, that, that they are kind of unique and that, no, they really want them to retain that, that cultural um, heritage. And I think, I think it's really neat. Right. I think they want... Uh, their children to take advantage of the professional and educational opportunities in this country but still retain an identity of being able to greet your parents and your parents friends properly in Vietnamese they want everything. Yeah, one, pe one piece of data on that that I think you also won't be surprised at is that um, Vietnamese uh, Americans of, of, of your generation have the lowest level of intermarriage, or the highest level of marrying someone of their own kind. The Vietnamese, even, in the, even among the, the younger people, are much more likely to marry somebody else who's Vietnamese than, than somebody who's Hispanic, Chinese, Japanese. I mean, oh, the, the, the other Asians are too, but not to the extent that Vietnamese are. Yeah, and how about their mental health? <laughs> Present um, company excluded. Yeah. Of course, of course. M mental health is something that I've been really interested in, um, both in this comparison between Vietnamese nationals who stayed and Vietnamese immigrants who, who, who came over. Um, gee, it's kind of hard to know where to start. Maybe I'll start with the post-Katrina stuff. One thing that has got me really interested in um, kind of exploring some of the cultural capital that I think, you know, really... Um, helps to protect the Vietnamese against um, catastrophes like Katrina compared to other groups is um, an, an outcome of that is mental health. Mm -hmm. And it's really been fascinating to me to kind of see how well the Vietnamese have fared you know, in the, in, in the post-Katrina environment compared to others. So there, there's a lot of, uh, of researchers who did you know, very good work in the New Orleans area af after Katrina and they were finding um, levels of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder (PTSD) um, on the level of about a third of folks who had experienced huh. several, several, um, or experienced severe flooding. Um, didn't really surprise me. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I had it. Um, my wife had it. Um, our neighbor, you know, every, everybody, everybody was just kind of walking around in a fog. Yeah. It was just so catastrophic, you know. And you know, we kind of knew we were at risk and everything, but it wasn't until it hit, you know, that we kind of realized just how shocking it was, especially for people who saw terrible things crime, disorder, uh, pe you know, people dying, our de dead bodies, that sort of thing. Um, you know, very, very, very traumatic experiences. What, what's really interesting to me is that you have this baseline rate of about a third of folks who were exposed to, you know, really exposed to this catastrophe, having uh, measurable PTSD. Among the Vietnamese, less than 5%. Wow, that's yeah. a huge statistic. Yeah. Yeah, same levels of flooding. I mean, the, you know, well, they the, suffered. They, they suffered a lot. Yeah, yeah. you know, t you know terrible things yeah. happened. You know, in the Superdome. You know, in the convention center to many, many of the Vietnamese, as, as, as it did other people. But for some reason, um, um, I've got some you know hypotheses about this. But you know, the, the data are pretty clear. Extremely low levels of PTSD, and you know, and, and which you know, you might, you know, we can. A good social scientists can explain anything after the fact, you know. <laughs> but um, you know, there, there are good reasons for you know, kind of you know, not being surprised at that, and good reason for being surprised at that. I mean, the fact that so many of people, again, my age, experience so much trauma related to the war right, and the exodus, right. you know, and the, you know, the, you know, ter terrible things happened, you know, um, going through the forest and then being on the boats as they were trying to get out of the country. Right. This is know. just a heavy storm. 
Yes. <laughs> well, 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 that, well, that, well, that, that too. That kind of mentality. No, that's well. exactly that's exactly right. You know, and so so the data are pretty clear. You know that um, you know, data are good. You know, we me we measure it accurately, and we're finding extremely low levels of, of, of PTSD. Mm -hmm. The anecdotal stories, you know, as, as, as we're kind of you know, um, you know as we're kind of talking to people, you know, as we're kind of administering these kind of formal instruments, are, are, are things like you just said, Kim, that. People, you know, we would kind of, um, you know, ask folks about, you know, how, how are you faring after Katrina? How are things? And, you know, we'd get a lot of laughs, you know, going, oh, this was so nothing, you know, com compared to <laughs> what we've already been through. Compared to what we've been through, you know, with, you know, with the war and the aftermath and being dispersed all over the country and then trying to bring our, our families back together. You're, you're, you know, this, 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 is this is really, a, you know, a mosquito bite. They didn't yet use that metaphor, you know, but, you know, you're very, very trivial. Which to me, I found you know really interesting and somewhat therapeutic. You know, when I was hmm. do, you know when I was doing th these interviews, especially. So we have we have data that we collected on the Vietnamese just before Katrina. No, I didn't see it coming. It was just lucky. Um, and then about a year afterwards, you know, we were able to go back and interview, so. interview the same people. Began to come back. Yeah. So I was not in good shape. I mean, my home flooded. My insurance um, companies were horrible. Um, you know, I was fighting the same kind of bureaucracies, worried about my job, you know, worried, worried about everything. And so um, there were several incidents out in New Orleans East, you know, when I was kind of, you know, you know setting up these interviews, you know, for, um, for respondents, you know, where, uh, you know, I'd be in a house and it was recently, you know, re rebuilt, all new sheetrock, all new floors, you know, you know, everything had been wrecked. And so I'd ask the guy, I said, you know, how'd, how'd you make out with your insurance companies? And he said, he said, like a bandit, you know, we, we, did, <laughs> we, did, we did fantastically well. I said, I said, well, if you don't mind me asking, what'd you get? He said, they gave us $30,000. And I'm going, oh, come on. You easily got, <laughs> you know, you got, you got $80,000 or $100,000 worth of damage here. I mean, you're not going to settle for that, are you? He says, he says are you kidding? $30,000? I didn't expect to get anything. And we've already paid for it. We've, we've, you know, we've already, you know, pooled our labor. You know, we had savings that we paid for it. It's $30,000 that we didn't expect to, to get. And so for me, I was livid at my insurance company because they only want to pay me $30,000 and they owed me $100,000, whereas this guy was in the, in, in, in the same boat, but he chose to look at it as Nyanya, you know, that <laughs> being Vietnamese, he had, you know, people, many Vietnamese Americans have, you know, especially of my generation, have um, my, my, my age group. You could lose it all. You could lose it all you and least expect it. You could don't lose expect it all. anything from government or corporations. Right. They're, out, they're out here to, to, to rip you off, you know. So if you get anything at all, you know, they kind of saw it as, 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 as some, some, something unexpected. Whereas for me, I was really expected them to meet their obligations. So, and so I still think the guy should have sued, you know, and, 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 and gone after it. But the difference in perspective was really and profound. In, in, term, yeah, in terms of your own mental state, certainly that's a... a Better place to be. It kind of right. snapped me but out. Yeah, of it. And the uh, guy was so uh, happy. I mean, you know, he was, yeah. he was, you know, he's repairing the house by himself. He was working three jobs, you know, because you know wages were so high. He was making money hand over yep. fist, you know, and everything. And he was so happy about how you know, how, how things were going. I'll never forget it. Whereas I was, you know, you know, um, we were all walking around with our with hands to our hands to our foreheads, yeah, you, know, yes. fe you, know, fe you know, feeling you know um, victimized, mm -hmm. and you know, which I was, and you know, in, in, in a sense, but it really did perk me up. Not as much as it perked me up when a year later I sued my insurance company and won. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that really perked me up, you know. But 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 still, it was it was a real kind of shot in the arm to kind of see somebody who had gone through the same catastrophe. Actually, you know, was worse off than me, you know, in, in, ter in terms of it. But his perspective, his kind of the cultural baggage that he was not baggage, the cultural attributes that he was he was carrying around, kind of 
put him in a position where he saw it as an opportunity, you know, and he, he and, and, you know, he, nobody wished it to happen, everything, but it did happen, and he was making the best of it. Yeah, and, and took real opportunities for work and, and uh, you know, renovation, and rather than feeling sorry, which is, I did plenty of. Yeah, well, I think we all did. Reasonably <laughs> so, reasonably so. I, I know you also do work in Vietnam. This is your opportunity to help Al with his uh, Vietiquette. As we say. Well, that would be the blind leading the blind in this case. I, I, <laughs> I, I am very interested in Vietnamese language, and I'm, I'm, I'm determined that I'm going to learn it. I've, I've had a fair amount of instruction in it. I, I know I, I speak it um, embarrassingly poorly, um, but but uh, I'm, I'm really I'm really excited about that part of the uh, part of the show because I'm, I'm hoping to learn some too. Okay. Well, I'm just going to start with the basics and how you greet someone in Vietnamese. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of rules. It's not just hi, as you know, Mark. Uh, it depends on the person's age and their gender. And when I mean age, it's in reference to your father's age. So if they're, I see So if someone is older than me and they're about my sister's age, they're old enough to be about my sister's, then I would say G as the pronoun. Um, if they're old enough to be siblings of my parents, um, if it's female, you would say you have two options. You have your, you have the female that's younger than your parents, or the female that's the same age or as old as your parents. So the younger one is ko, so that's like auntie, and then the older, older one or the same age as your parents is back. Back. Yeah. And so for me, I get called kokim a lot by my nieces and nephews. Okay because I'm the youngest of my sisters, so I'm all of their ko. And then sometimes you use, like, on the, on the street, you'll say ko as in miss. So kamen ko, that means thank you, miss. Or um, you'd say bak as a form of respect, too, if you went somewhere and you wanted to show someone respect. But for only to someone sense. older. Um, I would, no one would say back to you, correct? No, no one would say back to me. Right. <laughs> let's keep. Let, I'd like to keep, keep it that, that way. way. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> and so then, for the male, it's ju is the counterpart to go, and then back is the same male or female. Okay. And then for like the two of you, um, comparatively in age, probably similar, perhaps. Then you would say ang, which is brother. And if he was younger than you, you would say am. And that's also the term of endearment for a loved one is am. So hello is jiao. And then you say the pronoun of choice. So, and then for me, since I'm younger than you, and I'm young enough to be your niece, <laughs> yes. you would say jiao. Jiao. So it's a little confusing that that one's like jiao jiao. Okay. Oh, yeah. jiao jiao. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the intonation is the key, which you're a musician, so that will be very easy for you. Uh, jiao has no intonation, and jiao, as in niece, has an, an intonation. An upward inflection. Mm -hmm. Jiao jiao. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> and then to Mark, you would say jiao ang. Chow Ang. Okay. Chow Ang. Oh, look at that. His intonation <laughs> is so natural. All those years of research that paid off. I can say hello, brother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So that's kind of our first uh, introduction of our Vietiquette segment. I like to think of it as an Emily Post okay. to being a nice young Vietnamese or a little, nice little linguistic instruction for yeah. a total novice. There you go. You're just going to be so beloved when you go either to the East West Bank mm -hmm. or Vietnam. No. <laughs> Looking forward to my next trip. Yeah. Um, I always have a kind of awkward experiences with that because it's so rule oriented and there's been, I didn't speak Vietnamese for like 10 years because I was living in Alaska um, and New York for a little bit. So I haven't had regular contact with the Vietnamese community for quite a while. And since then, I've become older. So people aren't older than me anymore <laughs> that you would go to the store and get services from. So now I'm here in the East, and I, I'm like struggling to remember which pronoun I use. We actually have some of that in English, too. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you remember, Al, but the, it wasn't that long ago when I was called sir for the first time. And it's quite oh, a shocker. Yes, <laughs> definitely. It's no, quite it's, a shocker. It's upsetting, yeah. <laughs> Why did you call me sir? Yeah. You're looking behind you for somebody that's, else, that's right? right. <laughs> um, and I think actually uh, the doctor can help me with the next segment. I call it Kim's Gazao. It's a proverb that I like to share with everyone, brought to us from the old country, translated into New Orleanian. It's less confusing than Confucius and more fun than a fortune cookie. <laughs> <laughs> this week's Gazao is does that ring a bell? I know the drink water is the first part, and then you're remembering Very good. something. The sword. Ah. Oh, of course, remember the sword. Yeah. I believe you had a study that made reference to that. Yes, topic. we did. Um, one of the most enjoyable um, pieces that we've that's come out out of our project is a children's story that we wrote um, a few years ago for a collection that um, some authors at the University of Mex New Mexico were um, working on, and so they asked us to to write a fictionalized account of a child's experience going through Katrina. Um, wow. And it was really, really wow. fun you know, to, you know, to, to, to put together. Um, and it kind of illustrated a lot of, of household dynamics, hierarchy, kind of father knows best writ large, you know, the <laughs> kind of um, you know, characterizes you know, the, the Vietnamese society. But, but everybody has to kind of pitch in and, 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 and help. And um, it really did kind of help to show the little girl some sources of resilience, you know, both in her family and also within the, the, the community, uh, you know, to, first of all, to, to, to decide that you're going to leave and then everybody leaves. And then as you come back, you know, making sure that everybody kind of pitched in to help to rebuild the community. Um, she ended up, you know, being very, very proud of being, uh, being an American and kind of seeing that, um, you know, there, there were opportunities to rebuild and resources to, to facilitate that. But also she was very proud of her Vietnamese heritage, you know, they mm -hmm. kind of positioned her to be able to, um, to celebrate and, and, and also um, um, benefit from a lot of these cultural attributes that, you know, she had, um, um, that she, it was, was part, of, part of her life. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly, I think for a Vietnamese American, it's an incredi incredibly relevant and powerful proverb to, that we hear all the time in various forms from our parents. So you may be far away, but remember where you're from. I, I, thank you very much, actually, for sharing that story. I think that's incredibly touching. Before we get to lunch, Al, I think it's really important that you learn how to say thank you to our very kind proprietors. I certainly agree. Uh, they always my thanks are profound. <laughs> well, we, they always cook us a very lovely, very homemade, personalized meal. 
for the show. So number one lesson is thank you. Cam un. Cam un. Uh huh. So the first part has an inflection uh, that goes up. Cam. Cam. And then the second word is just flat. Cam un. Cam un. Yeah. Cam un. Cam un. There you go. So most in Vietnamese, all words are basically one syllable, and they'll hyphenate that. There will be a hyphenation to make two syllables. So mm. You think of it in like piece. You can think of it in pieces, and then it flows together. Oh, it's time and for lunch. I'm seeing this, these beautiful steaming bowls oh. heading our way. Here is Vin Vu, the proprietor of Pho Nội Viet here in New Orleans on Magazine Street. And he is bringing three oh yeah, steaming bowls of Pho Ba. Oh, thank you, Grant. Back? Are you gonna are you gonna explain to us what you brought to us? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Mark can explain because I bet you ate this all the time in Vietnam when you were doing your research. I, I did, and um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of pho and li like it very much. And the um, it was also it's also been a lot of fun spending time in the north and the southern part of Vietnam. I've heard that there's a great difference between the, the northern pho and the southern. The language, the food, okay. and especially the pho. The northerners um, really think that theirs is the, the, the correct um, okay. pho. Well, and because I've, it is. Hanoi is famous for it's, its very pho, very famous, it famous for its pho. Um, and I, um, it was I accidentally um, installed in, in a few people the, the first few years when I would go, which was, when it was um, Vietnam was just recently opened in the early 1990s, and it was still very, very poor. And so, and there, there wasn't so much of a restaurant uh, culture there the way that there is and has been in Thailand for a long time, where people traditionally go out to eat. Uh, the restaurants were few and far between. The raw ingredients were not that great. Mm -hmm. People would ask me how I like Vietnamese food. I would say I love it. You know, it's you know it's it's fantastic, which is true. And then they they, they would say, um, well, you probably can't get anything good in the in, in the U.S. right in terms of Vietnamese <laughs> food. Uh, you know, sometimes before I kind of learned to be a little bit more reflective, and um, um, uh, I, sh I should have answered in a Vietnamese proverb. You know, kind of just to deflect, yes. the, to deflect the, the the real um, the, the real meaning. But the truth was that the Vietnamese food in America was a lot better than the Vietnamese right. food in Vietnam, just because you know you had I, produce. Yes. That, 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 that's right, but um, I would say, um, you know, that the country is uh, modernizing very rapidly. Uh, people are people are making money. The restaurant scene is really is really expanding. There's really wonderful food, including for, you know, all, you know, throughout Vietnam, in you know, in the north, in the south now. Mm -hmm. Well, Al and Mark, please begin. Okay, well, to ask yeah. me twice. <laughs> right. Well, one thing I'd like to say is, is you know, I, I really do um, appreciate your. Um, inviting me to your show. I got to listen to a few of the segments, you know, before coming. So it's, it's a wonderful idea. You guys do a really terrific job with it. And I'm very happy that it's on the web uh, because I'm going to be um, starting in September. I just found out that I've been awarded a fellowship to spend the year at the Russell Sage Foundation where I'm going to be working on a book that's tr going to try to, to address the question, why are the Vietnamese doing so well in the post-Katrina environment? So um, when, while, while I'm up there working on the book, I really enjoy getting to hear your show on the, on, on the web and following you from there. When does that begin? It starts uh, right after Labor Day. Uh, coming right up. Oh, yeah. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Congratulations. Thank yeah. you very much. You can do some of your writing right here at the restaurant and have a nice bowl of while you're 
relaxing. That'll be terrific. Yeah, yeah. great. Well, dig in. Is, is there a bon appetit in Vietnamese? Uh, oh, you know what? There is a um, a dig in, but it's a little more formal than that. <laughs> it's it's you say mời. So basically, I invite you. Yeah. Mời. To eat. Yeah, mời. Mời. It goes down. Mời. Mời. Seen mời. So seen, you can add seen in front of it. Then that's like please, okay. so please go ahead. Seen mời. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. See the key. The key to a good pho is the broth. Oh yeah. You know, it's all about the love of the broth. The broth has is cooked and cooked and cooked. Right, right. Yeah. it's cooked for a very long time, and the seasonings and every you know every Just family so has their little secret. Well, it's your your and grandma. Your grandma, who we, I'm intimidated by her very <laughs> mention. <laughs> I once um, invited uh, a bunch of friends out I have in common who are musicians to come over and play music, and I made my grandma's recipe for. Is there a secret ingredient? There is. I could tell everyone, but I'd have to. You had to kill us. Yeah, it wouldn't be pretty. It would be on a podcast. I think I don't want to know. But I can attest to its effectiveness. It works very well. It's a wonderful game. That was the most time I had that many old time musicians thanking my grandma. Right. Is she still alive? No, oh, she died at about okay. 96. Wow, well, that's, that bodes well. That's yeah. nice to have in the gene pool. Oh, yeah. My, my <laughs> people, my family does not die. For better <laughs> or for worse. Okay, Al, so how do you close off this meal? With, with your new lesson, mm-hmm. with your new word. <laughs> I have to remind me again. Okay. Come on. Come on. Yeah, come on. Ang, for you, he'd be Ang Bing. Brother Ving. Ah, okay. Oh, ah, oh, yeah. I'm Ving. Yeah. Yes. Oh, if you say that to him, he'll be tickled pink. <laughs> well, that's our show today. That's Vietnola. And a special thanks to our guest today, Dr. Mark Van Landingham from the public, the public Health School at Tulane University. Concozi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us at home, at work, on your phone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Our show is produced by Kim Vu, Al Tharp, and Grant Morris. Our technical director is Chris Kehoe. Our web guru is Dr. Cliff Brigman. Our theme song was written by Taylor Smith and performed by the Swamp Lilies. You can follow us on Twitter at itsneworleans.com. You can like us on Facebook. We're at It's New Orleans, and you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Vietnola shows on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, Through the Game, and Midnight Menu Plus One. Keep up with all kinds of fun happenings here at Vietnola by getting on our mailing list. Sign up on our website, itsneworleans.com. Vietnola was recorded today at Phu Nui Viet, 2005 Magazine Street in the Lower Garden District. If you'd like to be a guest on a Vietnola show, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line. You'll find all the info on our website. Vietnola is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Kim Vu, Vin Vu, and everyone here at Vietnola, Thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you back here around the table at Phanoi Viet next week for our next episode of Vietnola. Until then, I'm Al Tharp. And I'm Kim Vu. Bye. Bye-bye.
You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.